Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Whatever you do, do it and be happy doing it. I've always encouraged my kids, listen, if whatever you do in life and you love doing it, guess what? You will make money at that which you love to do because you just love to do it. I don't feel like the pulpit and preaching is work for me. Sometimes it's really hard because this doesn't feel like work. I love to preach the gospel. I could do this all day, every day. Whether I got paid, there was times I did it and I didn't get paid. And that's fine. I love to do it. Whether it's in India or Apex or Virginia, it doesn't matter. This is what I love to do. And when you are doing what you love to do, this is just practical. I'm putting the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. If you're doing what you love to do, you never really work a day in your life because you get up in the morning, you're like, man, I love doing it. I can't wait to go do it. I know people who honestly have like, you know, masters and PhDs and they absolutely hate it. You could be a brain surgeon, wake up in the morning. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Got to go to work and cut open some heads. I know it's kind of morbid, but you get my point, don't you? You're kind of, man, that's kind of sick, man. <laughs> Ronnie, that's sick. But it makes the point that, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. The important thing is that you are doing what you love to do, and then you won't feel like it's work. The people are wondering what will be the future destiny of this child. Well, notice we got to move forward. Look at verse 67. I could talk about that all day, but let's move forward. Look at chapter 1, verse 67. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Ah, uh, you ain't looking at it. Verse 67, you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Now, his father in verse 67, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, sang, saying, Blessed is the God, the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation. That speaks of strength. Write that in your margins. That speaks of strength. A horn speaks of strength. It speaks of power. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he, God, swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness 
and in righteousness before him all the days of his life. And you, child, in verse 76, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. How? By the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring, would you underline that? With which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so finally, verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit. Are you getting me? He grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. So Zacharias hasn't spoken in nine months and I get the feeling, listen, and things were kind of building up on the inside. And now he gets to let it out. Now, this section, beginning in verse 67, is actually commonly known as the Benedictus. And the first half of the song weaves together several Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in the Messiah's coming. As Zacharias is filled with the Spirit and he's prophesying. And listen. We know that this is truly spirit-inspired prophecy because the focus of this prophecy is the unborn Jesus and not Zacharias' son, John. And Zacharias is praising God for fulfilling his promise to his people. The first words out of his mouth, are you getting me? The first words out of his mouth, he's praising God. Do you know I believe this? I think it's an oxymoron that the words out of a Christian's mouth shouldn't be that of praising God. I think it's an oxymoron that some Christians don't like to worship. You ever meet people like they don't, they they just don't like to worship. They don't like to worship anywhere. It doesn't matter, not here, not anywhere. They don't like to worship God. That I do not understand. Saints, God has been good to us. Saints, God has been good to us. I don't know about you, but I take the time to reflect on the goodness of God. God's been good to you. Pastor Ryan, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, and it doesn't matter. I know God's been good to you. How you know that? Because you're sitting here right now. God woke you up this morning. Did you think you kept yourself alive during the night? If you did, you need Prozac. <laughs> Something wrong with you. It was God who kept you going in the night. It was God who kept your brain going. God woke you up this morning. We take that for granted. God is a good God. Somebody say amen. God is a merciful God. Somebody say amen. God is a loving God. Somebody say amen. God is a great and awesome God. And because of who he is and what he has done, how is it that we are not worshiping people? How is it that it's hard to get people to sing and praise the Lord? I don't need, honestly, I don't need motivation when it comes to worshiping God. Pastor Rodney comes in, sit down, put my Bible down, fix my shirt because I don't want to be crazy while I'm standing up. I don't want to look bad. Y'all do it too, you know. And man, I go to worshiping God. I get my mind on the Lord and I go to worshiping God. I don't worship God because the band's cool and they sound hot. I worship God 
for who he is. And honestly, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And honestly, and honestly, and I mean this, if the worship band was up here playing spoons, if they were like, (laughs) how you do that spoon thing? Y'all know what I'm talking about. If they were up here playing spoons, the washboard, Pastor Rodney can worship God. I can worship God through anything because I worship him for who he is, not for what he gives. I worship him for who he is, not for what he gives. Oh, that's another T-shirt. That's another bumper sticker. Worship him for who he is and not for what he gives. And Zechariah, he worshiped God. First words out of his mouth is worship to God, I can't imagine any Christian who's not a singing, worshiping Christian. And when you talk about worship, honestly, you're not really just talking about singing because your life should be a worship, as an act of worship. As a matter of fact, when you study the Bible, you can actually see that worship has more to do with the way you live your life than what comes out of your mouth. Worship has everything to do with the, the, your, your, your service unto God. <laughs> Genesis 22, Romans chapter 12. Your service and your giving of your life unto God. And from that, then you let us lift our hands unto the Lord. Let God's people clap their hands unto the God of our salvation. Because we worship him in giving our lives. And we worship him with the fruit of our lips. And I could talk about worship all day because I love it. Zacharias, see, first words out of his mouth. I think that's just fascinating. First words out of his mouth. It's praise and worship and thanksgiving to God. Look at verse 74 in your Bibles. Zacharias hadn't seen it yet, but he sees in the spirit that there is a day coming. Remember, he's prophesying as he's singing. These are prophecies woven together. Are y'all getting me? These prophecies are woven together, and he sees in the spirit that there is a day coming when Israel and all who believe will serve God without fear. The Bible teaches that one day, Ten nations, listen, one day ten nations will take hold of the garment of the Jew and say, take us to the temple and show us your God. The Bible teaches that there is a day coming when the knowledge of the Lord, are you listening? There is a day coming, this is our hope. There is a day coming when the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The Bible says that there is a day coming when every man will beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. That is true disarmament. A man, the Bible says, the day is coming when a man will learn and study war no more. Think about that. No more Fort Bragg. Russians and Americans and Jews and Arabs and Muslims and Christians and blacks and whites and Orientals and Hispanics and all nations will come and worship the king in Jerusalem. There's a day coming. There's a day coming, the Bible says, the blind will see, the lame will leap, the dumb will talk, and what was dry and useless will become well watered and fruitful And there will be a highway of holiness, Zechariah tells us. Pardon me, Isaiah tells us. And Zechariah is seeing this. And he's seeing all of this, get this. He's seeing all this that is attached to his son, who is the one who will prepare the way for Jesus. Zechariah is seeing a time when all people will serve God without fear. Hmm. I'm looking for a day when we can 
all serve God without fear. I mean, really. In this country, maybe that's a hard concept to relate to. Because largely, we come this place, we don't have to worry about somebody coming through the door with 50 cows or somebody coming through the door with M16s and holding us hostage and shooting us all because we're gathered here in the name of the Lord to worship God. We don't have that to worry about in the United States. But don't you know today there are plenty of countries and plenty of Christians, your brothers and sisters, who have that very thing to worry about. Last year, I was in Rajasthan, North India. I told you, you know. And in the state of Rajasthan, North India, in the city of Banswara, it's in that area that they kill Christians for $150. And if you're a Christian pastor, they will kill you for $200. So we went there because that is where the underground church is. When you talk about the underground church, you're not talking about a church that meets underground. We're talking about a church who meets secretly. It's a secret church. So we went to minister to this church, and I remember going through the border there, and uh, uh, quite, uh, it's kind of scary. I mean, they pulled our car over, and I told you guys a story that uh, uh, they were checking our vehicle uh, to be sure that, you know, we weren't Christians or anything wasn't suspicious. And we had Bibles in our car. We had business cards that said Reverend Rodney Finch on it, Reverend Pastor William Carey. And um, and uh, so getting through was very, very interesting. And then we found ourselves meeting with these pastors who came to our services and we met way deep in the woods. I mean, nobody knew. And, and everybody, did, they didn't come to church together. We had like two or three hundred who met at a time and we had two or three meetings and, and they didn't all come together. Like we can all just come to church, park in the parking lot and just walk down by the hundreds into the building. They didn't do that. One by one, they filtered in one by one. And I never forget, I saw a guy who walked in. He had a Bible in a rice bag, big bag of rice, because you can't carry your Bible there. He had a Bible and a big bag of rice, and he came in with this big bag of rice, and I watched him come in, and he sat down and put the bag of rice on the the desk and reached in and pulled his Bible out. You can't walk around with your Bible. Women walking in with their children, and their Bibles are hidden in the clothes of their children or, or hidden on their person somewhere because they have to serve God and worship God in fear. And there's plenty of places like that in the world where you have to worship God in fear. Don't you know, the Bible says there's coming a day where we won't have to worship God in fear, that we'll get to worship God openly. There's coming a day where Jesus Christ, listen, there's coming a day where Jesus Christ is going to be sitting on the throne and he is going to rule and reign with a government that is righteous. It will be a righteous government. I've told you before, I will tell you again, I have never, here's my third political statement in three weeks, I have never voted for a president that I wanted in office. Never. Because Jesus has never run for office. If Jesus runs for office, I will be voting for him. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, would you? Someday. That's our hope. And that's what we have to keep our minds on. That's what you've got to remind yourself of. 
And this is not your home. Someday things will be different. I don't know. You're glad about it? You're sad about it? What? I'm glad about it. I'm so glad about it. I've committed my life to tell people about it. About the goodness of God. About the grace of God. About the fact that Jesus is coming someday. You know, we're quick to tell people about good news. You go see a good movie. You'll be in the parking lot calling your friend. Girl, you got to get and go see this movie. It's the best movie I ever seen. I'll wait for you. We'll go see it. I'm going to see it again. I'll go see it with you. Man, you can't get people to tell people about Jesus when he's the best news ever. Someday, worship God, holiness, and in righteousness. Notice in verse 76. Okay, I'll come in for a landing. Look at verse 76. I think verse 76 is just like a tender moment between a father and a son. Notice Zacharias in verse 76. Are you looking at it? He takes John in his arms and he looks down at his son and he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. And you're going to go before the Lord and prepare his ways. And Zechariah says to his son, you're going to give the knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sins. By the remission of sins. The knowledge of salvation, listen, comes through the remission of sins. The fact that we are born again. Our salvation comes with that knowledge that we are born again. You know, we have communion. This coming Wednesday, we'll have communion here. And you guys know we have prayer time and um, great time. And uh, people come forward with their prayer requests. And oftentimes people come to me and they say, Pastor Rodney, you know, I really need you to pray for me. You know, um, you know my, my husband left me. My wife left me. Uh, my business is failing. You know, my boyfriend dumped me. I need you to pray for me. And, and, and my heart goes out to them. And I can feel the pain and I can see the agony in their face. And, and yet at the same time, I think it's important that we remember that when we're coming for prayer, listen to me, when you are coming for prayer, it is important that you come asking for Christ to be in your life, that you know Jesus, because the knowledge of salvation comes from and through the remission of sins. The only way, listen, and the only reason to come to Christ is for the remission of sins. You don't come to Christ because of what you can get from him. You don't come to Christ because he can fix your problems, although he can fix your problems and he will fix your problems. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? He will fix your problems. He can fix your problems, but that's not the reason to come to him. The reason you come to Christ is to have your sin forgiven. And when your sin is forgiven, then God will begin to go to work on your problems. Is that right? Do you understand that? He will then begin to go to work on your problems. And and things will get better. And your problem will get better. Listen, your problem could get better. Your wife could come home. Your business could begin to succeed. Your boyfriend could take you back. But you still need Jesus. You still need the remission of sins. The way to come to God, listen, is for you to provide the sinner, that's you, And he will provide the Savior. You provide the sinner, he will provide the Savior, and you will be saved through the tender mercy of God. In verse 77, look at verse 78, if you will. Notice the day spring from on high has visited us. In other words, with the coming of Jesus, there's the dawning of a new day. Isn't that good news? 
This word day spring, you take a note, it means a sunrise. It means dawn. Just like we have only one sun in nature, so we have one sun in grace, and that is Jesus. In other words, Jesus coming is like daybreak, sunrise. And that implies that the world is in darkness. Over and over and over in the scriptures, you'll find this reference to Jesus being like the morning star or being like the sun. I think of Psalm 84, verse 11. You can write that down. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Jesus is like a star. And what about the sun that reminds you of Christ? Well, the sun is consistent. The sun is the center of our solar system. It's vastness. It's burning. It possesses beauty and glory. It's the source of life and light. It withers and it warms, but it rises and it sets. And it's the most beautiful thing in creation. It speaks of a new day. And isn't it true? In Christ, a new day is dawned. January 23rd, 1982, a new day dawned for me. That's the day I became born again. It was a new day for me. A new day dawned. The day spring, Zacharias is saying, he's a day spring. The dawning of a new day comes with the Messiah because he has come to give light to those in darkness, verse 79, and to guide our feet where? into the way of peace. And saints, then finally, in verse 80, Luke sums up John's childhood in one single verse. He grew physically and spiritually, and the promise of God came to fruition, and John was in the desert. Why? Look at me. Give me your attention. John was in the desert. Search the scriptures. Wherever God is going to do a mighty work with someone, he will often pull them away and put them in the desert. I call it, they, get, they have to go to the desert to get their BSD degree. It's called the backside of the desert. Moses got it. Paul the apostle, when he got saved, he went in the desert for three years. Jesus spent time in the wilderness. John spent time on the island of Patmos. Listen, whenever God wants to do a work in your life, listen to me closely. I'm coming in for landing. This is it. In closing. What does it mean when a preacher says in closing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Whenever God's going to do a work in your life, he's got to get you away so that you can hear what he has to say. You know, so often we have so many voices in our head and so many people telling you, Pastor Roger, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. Oh, how come we're not doing this? How come we're not doing that? You know what? Sometimes you just got to get away so that you can silence all other voices that you can hear from God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you can hear from God. You know, we go to these retreats and we think, oh man, the retreat was awesome. Oh, it was a great retreat. We had a great retreat. Oh man, we go to men's retreat and we have a wonderful retreat. Saturday night, we have worship, and we usually start a fire and have some s'mores. And, you know, you know, y'all know what s'mores are, graham crackers and chocolate, and we do a roast marshmallow thing. And it's always a wonderful time, and we have worship and Bible teaching, and it's wonderful. You come back from a retreat. The kids come back from a retreat. The ladies come back from a retreat. They go, oh, it was such a wonderful retreat. God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. 
And I'm sure it was a wonderful retreat. But listen, if you've been on one retreat, you've been to them all to tell you the truth. A retreat is a retreat is a retreat is a retreat. So what? It's a retreat. It's not the retreat that's the wonderful thing. The wonderful thing is that you have been set apart and set aside where you can hear from God and God now can speak and you're in a place to listen. That's why a retreat becomes so wonderful. It doesn't matter how nice the facilities are or how great the speakers are. It has everything to do with the fact that you are in a place of solitude and God can speak to you and you can hear. You know, I've told people, listen, I cannot hear all of these voices. My wife will tell you 15 years ago, we were talking about this and talking about that and talking about this. And I said, sweetie, I love you. You know, I love you. I said, honey, you think I love you? Yeah, you love me. Okay, I love you, but I got to tell you something. You got to be quiet. What you mean? I said, sweetie, I'm trying to hear from God. And I can't hear you, and I can't hear God at the same time. And that means somebody got to be quiet. Guess who that going to be? <laughs> Fellas, listen, I'm just trying to help you. If your wife's with you, don't, don't wave at me. You might get... <laughs> You might get knocked out, but you understand what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> y'all like, y'all like, yeah, brother. <laughs> but you got to hear from God. And John the Baptist, listen, God took him into the desert because God's got a work for him to do, which is just like God to get you away for a work to do. And the next time we hear from John, we're going to hear him saying, behold, the Lamb of God. There he is right there to take away the sins of the world. You got to come next week. Listen, you got to come because we're going to talk about the most important birth of all of history. And no, it's not mine. I I just want to make sure you understand it's not mine. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.